Welcome to Technado. Welcome to another episode of Technado, sponsored by ACI Learning, the people behind IT Pro. If you want to support the podcast, and if you're listening from the Technado website, you can look for that sponsored by button. Click to go to the IT Pro website and check out some of those courses if you want to support us. You can use the promo code Technado30 to get a discount on that IT Pro membership. I am one of your hosts for the show, Sophie Goodwin. I was gone last week. I was at Black Hat in Vegas, and it was a very, very cool experience, but I'm happy to be back. And uh, Don was also gone last week, but Don's back as well. How are you, Don? I am doing great. I got to visit the uh, the beautiful city of Chicago and uh, have made it back unshot. It's <laughs> 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 no, just actually, a matter of time, Don. It's just a matter of time. No, I actually had a, a really good trip to Chicago, so it was nice. Uh, I had some business meetings and things to deal with, but... Uh, the world of technology does not stop, so back here for Technado this week. And Daniel, of course, held down the fort for us with Anthony and Wes while we were gone. How did that I go? I did. While the cats were away, the mice did play, and we had a good time. We did some fun articles, and now i got to deal with these two again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping that maybe we can – we got some, some cool footage of Black Hat, so hoping maybe uh, in, in – future episode, we can maybe show some of that, incorporate that in. But for this episode, we've got quite a few articles to get through. I'll go ahead and just jump right into the first one. We're going to start with some news in the world of Microsoft. This article comes from Thorot, the fun yep. name. Uh, Windows 365 Switch enters public preview. So they announced that they're, it lets you switch between your local and cloud PCs, right? So now it's available in public preview. So pretty, pretty good news, right? Yeah. You know, Microsoft has been pushing the Windows 365 model. Uh, some people call it Windows as a service or, mm. uh, you know, subscription-based Windows. WAS. WAS. <laughs> <laughs> you got that WAS. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I have different opinions on this. Uh, it's a neat idea that, that we're kind of going full circle back yeah. to the whole mainframe idea. Like, instead of your local computer being where the action happens... It's a remote server somewhere, and you're just remoting in. You're a terminal to view a display. Um, sounds neat. From a from an end-user perspective, like you could have the crappiest computer on the planet and still have a great experience because it's the server that's doing all the work. But there's some negatives to it. Uh, one negative is you got to get connected, right? And so when you're on your desktop, getting remotely connected is a step that people can forget, and you can easily find yourself in the wrong environment. You're working locally when you think you're remote or, or so on. But the other thing is just the sheer cost, right? When you buy a computer, it's a one-time cost. You pay it, you get it, and that's that. But if you want to get, and I, I don't have the pricing in front of me, but like a, a system with four gigs of RAM and two CPU, which is like a, a really common model, is over $40 a month. And then when you start getting into like eight CPUs and 32 gigs of RAM, it's it's seventy dollars a month somewhere around there. That's where I want to cue the Doctor Evil gift. Where it's how about no? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's expensive. So it can it can be expensive. But one one challenge I've had using it because I've I've tried it out several times. Uh, it works really well, yeah. right? So you have this desktop. I can go to any computer in the world. So do you and, do you like do an RDP to it, or is yeah. it like an HTML5 or like? Nope, it's it's RDP. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I mean they have it embedded in a web client and whatever, but it is just RDP at gotcha. the end of the day. Uh, and so when you get in there, it works nice and smooth. When you right click, the menu pops up as fast as you'd expect it to. That that kind of thing works. It starts to break down a little bit when you do like a Teams video call mm. or or any kind of phone call, VoIP. I would assume that's due to the layers of abstraction that we have, where you're kind of going through HTML and then through That's RDP a part of it, yeah. There, and, there's some lag. Yeah. The other thing is there's some features that don't work. For example, um, like in Teams, I'll normally turn on a blurred background or change your background. Yeah. But when you're using Microsoft Teams in the Windows 365 desktop, you can't 
do any background effects. Like you're not given a full graphics card, so it's not able to drive that. Um, I'm guessing though, like if you've already got a laptop and you're kind of going through the web to get to a lot of things at that point, and you're just kind of already peeing into this, wouldn't you just kind of bounce over to that and use Teams locally at that point? You could, and that's actually the feature that's being rolled out right here. So Windows 365, that's the desktop. Hmm. Windows 365 Switch is a feature that allows you to quickly switch between your local desktop and this cloud desktop, and you do it through the task view. So, you know, in, in Windows, you can hit Alt-Tab. I was going to say, is this an Alt-Tab thing? So it's the Windows key tab, oh. uh, which And it just kind of basically says, oh, here. So on our, on our Macs, if you three-finger swipe up, you can see, or if you just three-finger swipe yeah. left or right, you can swipe fairly easily through uh, full-screen things. Is this basically that? Basically that, yeah. You know, Alt-Tab lets you switch between your running applications. Windows key tab, you see not just your running applications, but you also see your virtual desktops. Most yeah. people don't use those, but if you do, there's the virtual desktops to move between. So I set up my Windows machine where I can three-finger swipe between my virtual desktops. Oh. And well, there you go. So that's been around for a hot minute. So if you were a <laughs> Windows 365 customer and you set up what you just described, yeah. you'd be able to three-finger swipe between your local oh, desktop and your cloud desktop. That's the way to fly right there. I'm not well, going to lie. I, as an end user, would have to ask, if there's things I do on my local and things I do on the cloud, why don't I just do it all on the local? I would say because probably for the my, my biggest reason would be, what if I'm not at this specific laptop? I have probably five laptops that I use almost every day, and they're for different reasons, right? One's running Windows. I got two Macs. I've got two Linux. I guess that's six, right? No, that's fine. No, that's yeah, fine. that's fine. Yeah. Not this hard. I got two Linux. So that's I'm I'm bouncing around quite often. It would be nice to have a unified experience throughout each one of those where I have everything that's kind of like the the homogenous things that I need. Yeah. Like it's it's never farther than uh an RDP away. That that would be kind of sweet for me. Well, I felt like one of the big benefits of Windows 365 was that your data was stored in the cloud, mm. right? And so if your laptop gets stolen, what do you care? Mm. Your data was never there. Right. So if you're if you're worried about GDPR, various regulatory compliance, if you're handling sensitive data, it's all in your cloud PC, not local, and you're fine. But if they make it super easy to switch between the two, then that benefit kind of goes out the window. Mm. Um, what we'll have to see. This feature isn't rolled out to full production Windows yet, so it's in a preview release. If you're in the insider ring, you can get this feature right now. But if you're interested in experimenting around with Windows 365, it's now easy to flip between that and local. As long as you got that money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is not have not inexpensive. Ching Chang. If you think about it, because I I had um, I, I think it was a, a work one that I used for a solid two months. I had eight mm -hmm. gigs of RAM, and it was either I think it was just four CPUs. Yeah, and and it was it was around something like sixty dollars a month. So if we run on that, let's just say it was fifty dollars a month. Yeah, right. You're talking about six hundred dollars a year versus the cost Burn. of a laptop, yeah, which that's is true. You know, these days you can get a, a pretty good laptop for six hundred, but a thousand, fifteen hundred. Yeah, I, I at that know. point coming at the end, and then you don't have to worry about warrant, warranty work, right? Yeah, because it's all virtual. Like anything, that's the right. The whole benefit of the cloud is that that kind of stuff is shifted off to your cloud provider. Yeah, so yeah. a lot of pros and cons, right? You don't ever have to. It never. You're like you're not having to migrate to a new system. It's always there. If it needs to be updated, it just gets updated, and you're on the latest and greatest. I've got a computer that I use at home, like a laptop I use at home for personal stuff, and then this is the one I use at work, and that's pretty much it. So yeah. no, there's no overlap, really. So looking at this, somebody like me, I'm like, okay, so this is not really something that I would use. But a year ago, there's stuff that I'm doing now that right. I would not. I would have been doing it. So maybe a year from now, I'll have I'll have use for it. And, and, and going kind of back to 
you actually do have to have a laptop to access these yeah. things, right? <laughs> so there is a cost associated with that as well. And there but you it, go. But it could, it could be, be something much could be less a Chromebook, horsepower. right? Yeah, right. You, know, some, you some spend a hundred bucks on it. Super cheap yeah. thing. Doesn't even run Windows. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's in public preview. So if you do have a use for that, you can start maybe experimenting with that. So I would say that's uh, that's good to know. Interesting. But moving on, we've got uh, we've got a couple more articles to get through in this first half of the show. This comes to us from ZDNet. It says Oracle, that's Seuss, right? Susie. Susie. It's a fun name. Susie. And is that CIQ? Yes. Go after Red Hat with the Open Enterprise Linux Association. So it's three Red Hat's rivals taking them on uh, with their new Open Enterprise Linux source code repository. So uh, repository. So as somebody that you know, you guys are Linux users. Why is this a big deal? All right, so we, we've talked about this a few different times on the podcast that Red Hat has started messing with the open source community, right? Mm -hmm. So it used to be that we had uh, That's CentOS. a nice way of putting it, yeah, Don. I know. They basically <laughs> are just sticking their bird fingers in the air. <laughs> as big as going, come at me, bro. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and people are trying to come at them. So. Yes, <laughs> challenge accepted. <laughs> so for years and years, Oracle has had their, uh, their Linux distribution called Oracle Linux. It's been based on RHEL, right? They've been downloading Red Hat source code, recompiling it, releasing it as Oracle Linux. Um, CIQ, you might not be familiar with that name, they're the organization behind Rocky Linux. And so when CentOS ended up getting pivoted to CentOS Stream, Rocky Linux, which was created by one of the founders of CentOS, uh, stood that up as a new distro that we could trust on. Well, or that we could trust, not necessarily trust on. But, uh, <laughs> but anyhow, they got their legs cut out from under them because RHEL pulled back their ability to get source code. Meanwhile, you've got SUSE Linux that has their own enterprise Linux that they've done for years and years that's uh, largely independent, but does use things like the RPM, the, the package manager. So today, or not necessarily today, but uh, depending on when you listen to this podcast, these three organizations have gotten together, they've teamed up, and they've decided, you know what? We're going to create our own open enterprise Linux. So they're, they're going to take whatever source code they can get from Red Hat legally and other information they have, and they want to create a one-to-one -one mapping, like bug-for-bug -bug mapping with Red Hat Enterprise Linux that you can trust and rely on and not have to worry about Red Hat changing the, the rules of the game. Hmm. And, uh, you know, they're, they're three pretty big players. I'll say that SUSE Linux has never done a good job of penetrating the United States. Like, they're, they're largely just popular in Europe. Oracle is a company that literally no one on the planet trusts, uh, <laughs> except maybe their shareholders. Uh, CIQ at least has their heart in the right spot. Yeah. So so we'll, we'll see how this goes. But the potential is they could create a new framework enterprise Linux. And in the future, any enterprise that wants to use Linux on a large scale will want to either use what these organizations release or something that is built upon it. You know, kind of like Ubuntu is mm. the base of a lot of stuff. Um, people might choose to leverage this. Personally, I'm not holding out a whole lot of faith on this working just because of the trustworthiness of the companies. And uh, well, maybe this is that 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 initiative that they go to to try to earn that trust back from the population. And maybe this is Susie's like going, you know what? We never really busted into that U.S. market. This is our chance. This is our chance to come in like the 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 knight and and save the U.S. from the the dragon that is Red Hat. And if we team up with this scoundrel over here, maybe it's it's a it's a bit of a Dungeons and Dragons scenario that's going on in my head. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me 
Let me tell you a story. <laughs> yeah. Tell us a story. <laughs> a story time with Don. Let, let's wait. talk about Oracle. All right. Uh, Oracle right. makes a database. Which makes sense in the Dungeons and Dragons idea. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> the Oracle has spoken. You know, so <laughs> sent us on a task. Now I'm really going to go off on a tangent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do either of you guys play Dungeons and Dragons? I've had a brief brush with it. Yeah. Like I know of, I've never actually been like a player though. All right, so I I've, I've played it since I was a kid. Yeah. So I've played it for I know enough decades about it that I could follow along. The company that owns the rights to that, Wizards of the Coast, yeah, they have a license, and their license says you can create third party materials based on our rules and stuff, and it's fine, and we won't sue you. Yeah, and that's been around for over twenty years. Tons of people make third party content, and then they decided to change the rules, and. It was a riot. Like people oh, went sure. nuts and they just trashed their brand, their credibility, their trustworthiness. It was a huge ordeal. And now a number of other companies have come together to create their own licensed rule set to say, we don't, you, you know, you don't have to rely on Wizards of the Coast. Mm. Seeing a parallel here. Yeah. Exactly <laughs> what's going on right. with Red Hat. You know, no, I've kind of noticed that people don't like it when you take the thing that they've grown to love and piss all over it. When, <laughs> when you give somebody something for free yeah. for decades. And then snatch the rug out from underneath them. How can you expect a positive mm. reaction? Yes. Right. That's so, when the pitchforks and torches come out. <laughs> so from that perspective, you're like, oh, Oracle, Susie, CIQ, these are some good guys. But let's talk about Oracle, right? <laughs> because... Uh, this is not the first time that Oracle has stepped in as the savior of an open source product. Uh, are you guys familiar with VirtualBox? I am. VirtualBox, yes, right? I know that they are created by Oracle now. Pretty sweet virtualization platform. Yep, if you free. want to, you know, not works you, really well too. Yeah. If you don't want to get stuck on Hyper-V or something like that, VirtualBox runs on every OS on the planet. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's really flexible. And and how much does it cost? Free ninety nine. Free ninety nine. Daniel, right. my let favorite me ask price. you: Do you, do you ever have to pay for VirtualBox? I have. I have yet to ever give them a dime for that good product. So, did you know, <laughs> if you take two computers and run VirtualBox at the same time on two computers on the same network, mm -hmm. that they phone home to Oracle, and then Oracle mm. says, "Wait a minute, there's two computers running VirtualBox." No normal person would ever run two computers. This is obviously commercial use. You need to pay me. Ah, VirtualBox is a paid, not free product. But you wouldn't know that going to the website. And no. it was free and open source originally. But Oracle says, wait a minute, it's free for personal use. And if That's you, cool. I'll be adding some uh, additions to my DNS sinkhole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it phones home like crazy. Yeah, uh, Oracle is not a company to be trusted. Their database is phenomenal, yeah. right? Like, I mean, performance-wise and scalability-wise, you cannot beat. Didn't you say they got some sort of like million-dollar bet that if they uh, used to, I don't they know if they still do optimize that. Optimize your database to a certain degree, they'll pay you a million bucks. Yeah, it was like if if we can't reduce your query times, yeah. by fifty percent or something like that, they'd pay you a million dollars and. And hey, it's a great database. They they can do it. They yeah. they can deliver on their promises. But man, they put the screws to you on the billing side. It's not a company to be trusted. Mm. So that that's why I say I I don't really know where this is going to go. Um, but it's neat that they're trying. Yeah, yeah. Well, and maybe maybe the other two entities will kind of force that. Hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna roll with our crew. You can't do all that bull crap you've been doing before. Where, <laughs> you know that's not what we're doing here. I hope you know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And there will be sanctions. <laughs> It's funny you said like a Dungeons and Dragons thing came to mind yeah. uh, for for me. I was thinking as you're talking about this, it's like a like one of those like heartwarming sports movies where it's like 
the unlikely team comes together oh, and, yeah. you know, people aren't really rooting for them at first, but then it's like they're the underdog and people just want them to succeed. It's the replacements. It's the replacements. <laughs> yeah. Starring Oracle. Yeah. Starring Oracle. <laughs> As Keanu Reeves in. Was, was, I, I had never heard anything about, like, you guys are talking about Oracle and how, like, they're not a company to be trusted. And yeah. I don't really know much about them. So it's good to know. Yeah. Well, it honestly... Um, I, Unlike the lies he's been telling, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> uh, you know, it, I'm, I'm trying to think of a way to put this that it doesn't sound classist, I guess. But <laughs> a, unless you're ready to spend millions of dollars on software, then you shouldn't have heard of Oracle. Like, uh, uh, you know, they're, yeah. they're yeah, yeah. not. It's for... unlikely that you would have kind of oh, uh, come okay. across them. <laughs> yeah. This is an instance where it's, it's that makes sense that I'm yeah. not familiar with yeah. their work. Like okay. the, you know, the, the Fortune 100 can afford Oracle, and that's about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Is that you? No, okay. Not yet. <laughs> Give me several years. <laughs> well, okay, so it's good to know. I mean, it's, it is kind of neat to see that they're teaming up and trying to do something, and hopefully it works out for them. I'm, I'm rooting for you. <laughs> so moving on, we've got an article here from Gizmodo. It says, Zoom backtracks on training AI on your calls. So they, they promised that the company won't use your calls as AI fodder, even though its terms of service say otherwise. So I, I'm curious what you guys' opinion is on this. <laughs> Lies. <Yeah. laughs> Those episode. are called lies. Where's Maury Povich in his little lie detector? <laughs> right. He's got some things he needs to talk with about to zoom about. So, yeah, this this episode is all about trust, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, really is. Um, it really is. So, you know, do you ever read an end user license agreement? I, I never <laughs> actually learned to read. So there you go. <laughs> Makes sense. When you read the terms of service for half the stuff that we use today, it's bizarre, right? Mm. Uh, when you read. Google's Gmail terms of service, the rights that they take on your email is pretty crazy. Uh, Adobe had a run-in with their license where basically they said any artwork that you create with our products, we actually get a non-exclusive uh, right to use. I knew that one. Yeah. Because I do a lot of stuff in Adobe. So, And that that's a hard pill to swallow if you're an artist. Uh, yeah, it doesn't you know. feel good. Yep. Yeah. Well, Zoom did what I'm sure they thought of as just standard contractual language to say, look, hey... Uh, if you use our product, we we might use your data, right? Um, but well, they so specifically, like, uh, Facebook is the same way. Like if, if you put post a photo on Facebook, it becomes their property. Yeah, right. That's their photo now, and they so can do whatever they want with it. Anything they like. You have handed over rights. Yeah, that that's a challenge that's in the industry today. Uh, the AI piece on this, I think, is is just fud, right? Like you know, fear, uncertainty, doubt. Uh, AI isn't really what's making the difference here. It, it's you know Zoom had it in their their terms of service that any any meeting you have, any transcripts you generate, any files that you share, uh, the video of your calls, that they can use it however they want. Mm. They were just clarifying to say, oh, we're going to start using it to train our AI as well. And people are really paranoid about AI right now. Um, so they updated the terms of service to say, yeah, we're we're going to do whatever we want. People got upset. And so their chief product officer came out and said, no, 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 I promise we won't do that. But he just said it. It, it wasn't written. It <laughs> wasn't like they didn't change the contract. And so, believe it or not, people didn't trust him. What? <laughs> I know. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> if you can't trust I a mean, chief product officer. Right? Like, they are basically... Uh, sinless perfection. The last time I checked. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you're the chief product officer, right? Paragon. And of I virtue. know that you never, ever have told me anything wrong or false. Absolutely. It's just how it works. I think I've been <laughs> wrong multiple times on record on this podcast. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're just we're saying patently false things <laughs> about him not saying patently false things. No. <laughs> uh, 
So anyhow, they did come out and and finally release another updated version of their terms of service to, to remove this, to say, no, no, we won't train Skynet on your videos and, <laughs> and whatever. Skynet but, will train itself on your videos. <laughs> but the reality is it's still in the terms of service. And and a lot of pro providers are like this. I, I mentioned Adobe because that one was highly visible, right? Everybody knows that Adobe is super, super slimy about how they handle your data that you handed them. Although they haven't abused it, as far as I'm aware. Uh, yeah, not that I know of. Yeah. So people are upset about it. Obviously not the perfect terms of service, but Adobe's doing what they think they need to protect them. Well, and it's it's probably because they're hedging their bets for down the road. They want, they, like, they may not need it right now, but yeah. they want the ability to deed it when they need it. Oh, you know... Um, what is the, I can't remember what Adobe called their their AI image generation. Satan? No. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I, I can't remember what they named it, but they, they did just the launch beast. a product that does that. Firefly? Firefly, that is sounds that right, is? yeah. And so. Uh, they sully the good name of a great theory, show. In <laughs> theory. Yeah. Let's say they've been collecting people's artwork, and, and music applies too because of mm -hmm. uh, whatever their music platform is called. Um, but if they if they gathered all this artwork for decades and didn't do anything with it, and people are like, well, all right, it's in the terms of service, but they're not yeah. doing anything. But then they launch Firefly. Right. It can be trained on all of that art. See? It's, and, they're hedging their bets for yeah, when they yeah. need it. They've got it. They don't might not need it right now. But it's come. It's funny you bring up music. I was literally yesterday. I was thinking of the idea because I play guitar, and you know I've been in bands and stuff, and I've been thinking about getting into, you know, forming a band or getting into an established band just to have some fun. And I'm th I was thinking the idea of what's well, a great way to audition is to make a YouTube video or something. Then it's like, well, hold on, there's copyright laws. I know they do all these strikes and things of that nature. So I started going down the copyright rabbit hole, which is not a fun thing. You you cannot go to a party. And play a song that is a cover, you owe the royalty if you play a song at a party, mm. right? If you go to like uh, an establishment that does live music, they have to have a mechanical license that they pay for for when bands come in and do cover songs. Mm. Like they have to pay royalties. There is there's a lot of like nuance, and it's all and it it's very heavily in favor of the artist of what you can and cannot do. And it's basically, you can't do anything. Uh, you owe money. If you if you look at that song sideways, money. Wow. <laughs> hmm. uh, yeah. It's not a ton of money, but it is money. You do owe every time you do it. Yep. And I guess if you're, if I were an artist creating a song, it might, it might give me some peace of mind knowing that like nobody's going to steal my stuff. But yeah. as as an artist that's maybe trying to put, like you said, get their name out there and stuff yeah. and, and do covers and things like that, it's like, it kind of ties your hands. There's not much you can do. Yep. Yeah. And just from a data perspective, I, I'll use last week. So last week I had to miss Technado because I was in uh, Chicago for a board meeting. At the board meeting, it was a Zoom call. I mean, there were there were like eight of us there in yeah. the room, but then there were a couple of board members that were remote, and so they were connected in via Zoom. We covered a lot of confidential information, right? Mm -hmm. Shareholder data, stuff that's not made available to the public. It was all in that Zoom meeting. And so if Zoom then uses that to train AI – does our proprietary, sensitive, Ooh, confidential good. information then become part of this pool? We got ourselves a dilemma. That's right. You know, and, and that's the stuff we have to start thinking about. If you are uh, worried about GDPR and transferring data, mm. is there now a copy of your data stored somewhere that's completely out of your control? Yes. Yes. <laughs> the answer, the answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, it's a brave new world out there. But I, I will say, just to, to be clear, AI is not the problem on this, right? It, oh, it's yeah. Just, 
how the terms of service are written for the services that we use. I'm assuming that new legislation will have to come down the pike to deal with all these new technologies and how they handle sensitive or private information over their thing. Like, you know, there, there's got to be, we're in a brave new world. We, we haven't yeah. really had to cross this level of intermixing of technologies and, and sensitive and or private information. So, yeah. I, I wish it didn't come to that though. Yeah. Like I hate having more government regulation on this Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. I, but I think but making people aware. You know, someone's going to be like, oh, I can use this. I can I can bend this to my will. Yeah. And squash the little guy or do whatever. But if if enough people got angry. Yeah. And stopped using these services, that's the problem. Like not that's enough people are angry at it. Facebook. Right. right. If you can get like a grassroots movement going on where people will be like, oh, well here's the thing, I'm not using Zoom anymore. Yep. And they're like, well, why aren't you using Zoom? You know why. You know why we're not doing it. Right? Yeah. Then, yeah. But that doesn't happen. No. You know, and sometimes we see those companies come right back out and throw the birds up and go, we're going to double down. Yeah. And not only are we, you know, AI training, but we're going to we're gonna give that stuff to other AIs so they can train. It's like, geez, man, you just hate your customer, I guess. Yeah. I'm not saying that Zoom is doing that, but. But Apple does, Reddit. Yeah. Reddit just other really visibly went yeah. through that. Yeah. It does seem like there's a, a pattern. Wasn't there something we talked about several weeks ago? We talked about how to do with like ads and Google and something where they basically were like, well, just promise that you won't misuse this. And, you know, ver- <laughs> <laughs> or, Pinky swear, right? or like the stuff with last Scouts pass. Where it was like every yeah. week they were like, no, 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 we promise this didn't happen. And then a few weeks later we find out that it did. Zoom executives, they promise the company's not going to use your calls as AI fodder. It, it, it just kind of seems like the pattern is like, don't don't believe anything well, that anybody tells you ever. And let's say that that is true. Let's, let's just take them at face value. We promise we're not going to use that. They didn't say... We're not going to use that later. We just said we're not going to use that now. Yeah. Right? Those promises can change as soon as money starts becoming involved. Absolutely true. So just take that as it is. <laughs> yeah, those- you know, I was telling my wife the other day that it's uh, you know, it's a, it's a bleak life to be as cynical as I am, but it sure does work out for your benefit to be a bit more cynical than not. At least in my experience. I'm not surprised that that's your outlook. Yeah. <laughs> it has worked for me. Yeah. <laughs> I did not trust uh, you. <laughs> Jack Reacher always says, hope for the best, but prepare, prepare for, for the, the worst. worst. Yes, yeah. that has been yeah. my mantra since I've been like <laughs> 20. <laughs> well, well, we'll go ahead and wrap up this first half of Technado with those words of wisdom. We're going to get into some more security news next up, so don't go away. We're just going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. Tired of trying to schedule your team's time around in-person learning? Isn't it a bummer to spend thousands of dollars on travel for professional development? What if we said you can save money and time and still provide your team with the best training possible? The answer to your woes is live online training from ACI Learning. With live online training, we provide our top in-person courses in private, online, instructor-led formats. You get to provide professional development in a manner that fits today's expectations. Entertaining, convenient, and effective. Our exam-aligned courses inspire the full potential of your team. Visit virtual instructor-led training at ACI Learning for more info. Welcome back for the second half of TechNATO. We're going to be getting into some security news in this half of the show. And we're going to start with one of my favorite segments. This one's called Behind Bars. Break the law and you'll go to jail. It's true. So this comes to us from CNBC. It says Bulletproof hosting site that allegedly enabled 400 ransomware attacks seized and the founder indicted. So it was a service called I'm probably going to mispronounce this. I think it's Polish. Lolik hosted. 
So allegedly it powered ransomware attacks around the world for nearly a decade, and it sounds like its reign of terror has come to an end. I thought it was LOL, <laughs> Ek hosted. LOL, Ek hosted, yeah. Yeah, it's got a, the cat yeah, is a mascot. That's it. That's it. <laughs> I can't has prison sentence. That's, that's going to be the subtitle for this yeah. article. <laughs> that was I'm a good sorry. one. That was a good one. I like that one. <laughs> well, uh, a little misleading this time because you know we said behind bars, but technically the CEO for Bulletproof is at large. They are they are hunting him down, but he's been indicted, so he's he is going to jail as soon as they find him. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, they have which, like uh, bloodhounds and everything. That would well, be awesome. I, I don't want to be too morbid, but lately, like with the the Bitcoin people that flee, yeah, it's like a fifty percent ratio of them finding them alive versus finding them dismembered in a bag somewhere. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, see, when your clientele are some of the shadier people on Earth, they don't like it when yeah. uh, things go awry, and even even a little bit. <laughs> and they, they really just have one default answer to problems. Yeah, just kill it with fire. <laughs> But in or, this case, <laughs> what we're dealing with is a, a web hosting company, right? Not uncommon, that does or did <laughs> guaranteed privacy. Also not uncommon. You'll hear a lot of companies, especially the VPN companies that are out there, right? Where they say, you can trust us. We don't store logs. We don't track any data. Completely anonymous. You use our VPN service and you are invisible, mm. right? Uh and there's web hosting companies and cloud providers and stuff that act the same way. You can use our service, do whatever you want. That's your problem. We're not going to intervene and we're not going to help law enforcement. Well, this particular firm, Bulletproof, managed uh, hosting services for a, a number of ransomware providers. I hope that's a nickname of the uh, the guy that ran the thing that's absconded from justice. Oh, yeah. Bulletproof. Yeah. <laughs> because if it's not... Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll find that one out. But uh, the ransomware attacks that were funneled through Bulletproof uh, were responsible in extorting over 5,000 Bitcoin, which is something like $150 million in today's market. It's a couple of bucks. Um, not, certainly not the biggest. Yeah. You hear about some of the really big takes that are happening out there. But it's certainly nothing to sneeze yeah, at. It's not insignificant amounts of money, that's for sure. I've heard about people getting shot over twenty bucks. So yeah, hundred fifty million. Be probably working into a grave somewhere. Well, in this case, the uh, the founder of the company, Arthur Arthur Grabowski, I, like uh, I think is how you say that. Mm -hmm. uh, he is a fugitive and is in possession of roughly twenty two million dollars. Mm -hmm. I think you can hide pretty well with twenty two million dollars. Seems reasonable. Um, but the the key thing to learn from this is if a company tells you we guarantee your privacy, you can do whatever you want, we're not gonna cooperate with law enforcement, well, that's not legal. Like that's not, not something they can do. They are promising you an outright lie. Uh and we saw this with a VPN company. I can't remember their name. Where they promised, "Hey, we don't keep logs." Yeah, wasn't it out of like Switzerland or something like that? It was somewhere in Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where the government came in, Interpol, somebody like that, came in and seized the operations and turned on logging. Yeah. And so then they just ran it for like two months, logging everything, and then went and arrested a bunch of people. Right. So they might be telling the truth that, yeah, hey, bulletproof doesn't track any of this. We don't cooperate with law enforcement. That ended the moment that law enforcement got interested in them. Uh, and so, you know, if if you're a criminal or if you're a privacy advocate that just believes, you know, hey, I, I should be able to have truly anonymous service, that's it's a pipe dream. It's not something yeah. you're going to get on the that, Internet. Well, especially with any one specific service, you would have to go completely decentralized for that to even become close to a reality. 
right? Because then you don't have enough of that information on any one thing to be able to create the paper trail that would lead back to you. So if you're a privacy advocate, decentralization is the thing for you. And that, that's what Tor is all about, right? Right. But you know, you hear about these various Tor attacks that are out there. Mm-hmm. Do you do you think Tor is still a reliable way to have anonymous not, not access? Not in and of itself, no. Like, and I think that's what people tend to think is like, oh, if I jump on Tor, I'm safe. And like you say all the time, if I have a VPN enabled, I'm safe. I've got this anonymizing thing going on. It's it's kind of a you now we talk about uh, defense in depth. Take the same idea when it comes to your anonymity. If you want anonymity, you got to do some sort of in depth system to help start obfuscate all the traffic and things that you're doing so that it's not me. And and just because you want to obfuscate and, and be anonymous doesn't necessarily mean you're doing something bad. A lot of people will take advantage of those systems. And we have a plenty of good things that are out there in our lives that bad people take advantage of for their own ways. We don't get rid of it and chuck it to the fire, yeah. right? We keep it around. We just try to find those bad guys and, and stop them when we can. If, if, if anonymizing things makes that difficult, well, then I guess that's the world we live in. But like to Don's point, if you get someone out there who is promising you all your fears can come to an end, just use my service, that, like you said, that's a pipe dream, right? That's, that's not going to happen. If the biggest gang in town, which is usually the local government or the federal government of wherever you're at, decides that they are targeting that thing, what are you going to do to stop them? They're the government, right? They got the biggest swords. Mm. Everybody would have to take arms against that sea of troubles and and go after them. And, and then you've got something that you don't want, which is a civil war. Yeah. And and unlikely to, to occur, some hot conflict against your government, right? Not that it doesn't happen, but it's not something you would want to lightly jump into, right? So these people saying, hey, come to us. We can, we can anonymize all your stuff. That's that's just that's a sales pitch. I did not have Daniel quoting Hamlet on my Technado bingo card for yeah. today. <laughs> I, was, I was threw that one out of left field. Now uh, the federal prosecutors they came out and said this is part of a, a big crackdown they're doing on hosting services like this. They want to basically cut out services that are helping to support ransomware. And they they they're having a hard time catching the ransomware people. <laughs> so they're like, let's focus on some things that we might be able to catch. Uh, you might feel good about that, but the the big problem here, in in my opinion, is that um, in this case, what do we call them? Low life hosted, whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. Low life uh, hosted. What <laughs> they they've been doing what they've been doing for ten years. So it's taken ten years to get to the point where somebody finally took action against yeah. these people that were facilitating the ransomware attacks, and that's why ransomware is such a problem. Like yeah. it, it, Daniel, you mentioned like regulation and stuff earlier. Mm-hmm. The government is too slow to address. They the... can't adapt at the speed of technology. Right. Yeah. 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 That's definitely an issue. You mentioned like a, whether you're a criminal or just a privacy advocate and you just want to use a service like this because you want your privacy. But it says that, that this service, this all cat, whatever, yeah. ho- it advertised itself as a haven for everything but CP. And I feel like yeah. when you advertise yourself that way, <laughs> it's not really a surprise that I, there's a lot of criminal activity going on. I will say that. You got to be pretty pretty darn low. Like I love how even criminals are like, yeah, but not that scumbag. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You yeah. can do anything else you want. Yeah, you but get not that junk that. out here. We're coming for you. You know, yeah. Yeah. You, you, they, it is well known in prisons. Like if that's why you're in, I've I've I get down rabbit holes on watching like <laughs> interviews and podcasts, and I found a podcast where they interview ex cons that were in for like, you know, severe crimes, and they're like, oh yeah, when a new guy comes in, we walk over and go, show me your paper, and your paper tells what you're in for. 
And if it's that, you got a bad. You're having you a, a bad, bad time. Bad yeah. time. Yes. Yeah. Well, R.I.P. You know, I, uh, ransomware, while maybe not as, uh, morally reprehensible, uh, it's still pretty bad. It's pretty bad Mm -hmm. because it can be used for those things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I had, I had somebody on LinkedIn, we were just having a conversation about, um, you know, just attackers in general and, uh, and threats out there that what they do when they do ransomware, they extort you for money is a lot of times that money goes to fund drugs human trafficking and things of that nature. So it might not seem, oh, well, you know, they're just getting a few bucks from us, big deal, pay the ransom, get our, get our data back. That can be a funding mechanism for much worse crime. So it is a big deal. Yeah. Well, not to be On too, I was going to say, yeah, not to be too depressing, but uh, but yeah, I mean, he's still at large, so maybe this will come back on like a Deja News segment in the future and they'll, yeah. they'll catch the guy. Got to catch them all. So moving on. <laughs> a Pokemon <laughs> reference was not on my <laughs> on your bingo card. Bingo card. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like a Pokemon reference on this show is a little less surprising than a Hamlet, than Hamlet? reference. Yeah. It just seems like it, it fits a little bit more in. But I did appreciate the Hamlet mm-hmm. reference. So moving on to our next segment. Uh, this one's called Tinfoil Hat. The moon landing was fake. Paul McCartney's been dead since 1966. Dogs can't see color. 5G causes syphilis. Do you understand that? Now you know. So this article comes to us from Bleeping Computer. It says the UK government keeps repeating its voter registration website is not a scam. So they're, they're, <laughs> it just, I guess it just is not convincing. And and it looks like, a, like some kind of a, a phishing scam. And if you fail to visit the website... In theory, it can lead to a criminal penalty criminal penalty of a fine up to, I think, a thousand pounds, which also sounds to me like if I got an email that was like, you better visit this website or it's a thousand pounds, that would sound to me like a scam. I'd be like, that's that's fishing. I'm not touching that. Yeah, this is this is a case of people just not thinking things through very well. You know, you, you have to put yourself in other people's shoes and think, how are they going to perceive what's going on? Uh, in this case, the, the website in question is householdresponse.com. And if you live in the United Kingdom, you may have received a, a letter by post that says you need to go to this website and provide information about your household. And here's a, a code you enter in to get it, like a two or four digit code. I don't remember. But once you log in, it then starts to ask you questions. But the problem is the website itself just looks suspect. And uh, and I, I pulled it up a minute ago. If you go to the website, like there's there's no pictures just in a black bar at the top, it says household update service. And it says click on your local authority. And then it gives you this big list of local authorities. And a some of giant them giant like winky face too. That's a weird. <laughs> <laughs> some of them are all capitalized. Some are, are mixed case. There, there's things in here that are not local authorities, like Express Software is in the list. Like there's some really weird stuff Interesting. here. A, a lot of things to raise a red flag. And if you look at the certificate for the site, it's not it's a UK government one. It's, well, it's just a third party called yeah. Civica something or another. So there's just so much to make you not trust this. And even at the very bottom of the page, it says, if you're having difficulty using this website, please contact your local authority. Like, don't contact us. Yeah. Contact someone. This, this is exactly how you would build a phishing site. Uh, and what, what makes it worse is if you continue to go through it, it's asking you a lot of information about your household. Uh, you know, how many people are in there and what do you do for a living and all that? Like just all the stuff a a person pulling a phishing attack would need to completely social engineer you. So from a outside looking in perspective, this thing's a nightmare and UK citizens are getting really worried about it because they think, you know, it looks like a scam, but there's a threat of a thousand pound fine. 
and it's a real website. Like yeah. it's it's actually intended to serve its purpose. Uh, so it it's a, a huge debacle, and I'm I'm surprised they, they've been getting feedback on this for months. I'm surprised they haven't made a change yet. Like this is so funny to me. Like I, I when I read this article, I was laughing, and Sophia's like, "What are you laughing?" I'm like, "This article on the UK thing is ridiculous. The fact that they would get just the worst possible domain name for this, right? It it is just perfect for typo squatting and phishing, and, and it's just rife for abuse." We, I, if I were an attacker and I'd be like, oh, really? So you've basically built me a framework that I can use to get people to go to my site, probably get hit by malware. And I, uh, thank you, UK government. I just, I didn't know it was my birthday and Christmas, right? That, that's kind of what's happening. Here. And then it's so bad that it says even councils admit that the notice looks fishy, right? And they have it highlighted. We understand. So they send an email out to you, dear so-and-so, we are contacting you because you're currently registered uh, to vote at blah, 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 right? And then down in this letter, it says, we understand that this email can appear to have some of the traits of a scam email, but, you know, or so please do check online, blah, 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 right? And it goes down the road. The fact that you even know you've made the worst website possible, that people are, uh, you know, um, Constantly wondering uh, and in fear that this is a scam that you have to put in your letter to the people that this is not like. And that's why I was kind of joking about the winky face thing. It's like, hey, this isn't a scam. Right. <laughs> wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Not a scam. It's fine. It's totally safe. Player, go ahead. Click links. Enjoy. It's going to be a good time had by all. And you're like, and you see all these tweets, threads that are saying to the fact that this doesn't look right and I'm just some regular user. The fact that we've got regular folks out there who will click on bad links, who will go to things like the, the normal average everyday Joe and Jane out there happily click through to the wrong thing all day long and then go, well, this has all the signs of the scammy thing that they told me I shouldn't do that I do all the time because the scammers are better at it than you. So if it's super bad, then it's probably true. Like it confuses them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, in this case, it's the United Kingdom, and, yeah. and the website is really bad. Yeah. Like it ends in .com instead of dot gov dot uk or gov dot uk. That's it. Gov. It's one of the two. Yeah. So um, anyway, it's got a number of red flags to it. We have challenges like this here in the U.S. Though mm -hmm. uh, the census. Right. So every 10 years, the U.S. Census comes out. Right. And, and we expect that. We just had one in 2020. And somebody in the Appalachians kills one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much a given, too. Yeah. Strange, strange place. Weird. But uh, in between the sen census, sensei, what's the plural of censuses? <laughs> sensei. I like sensei. So in Let's between go with that. the sensei, <laughs> there's this thing called the American Community Survey. Have you guys heard of this? Uh, negative. So, I hadn't either until I got one in the mail about five years ago. Uh, so this is before the, the most recent census. I get this thing and it says, hey, um, th this is the Census Bureau. And yeah, every 10 years we collect data. But in between, we like to get some more detailed information from certain households. And you've been selected. Uh, we need you to provide all this extra data. And it was a lot. It was a lot of information, you know, about the the individual people in the home, what languages they spoke, and what their uh, ethnicity and origins mm -hmm. were, and how long you've lived in your house. And uh, there was just a, a ton of detailed information that went well beyond the normal census questionnaire. And 
I read through it, and at the end, it's like, oh, and by the way, if you don't fill this out, you go to jail. Whoa. And and the <laughs> that whole, escalated quickly. <laughs> the whole thing was weird to me, but then the penalty being so severe was the the biggest red flag for me because like that's something a social engineer would do. Like yeah. let's create a like, real sense of panic. Um, but it it was legit. And wow. you, you actually go to the census.gov website and and that's where you you go and fill the stuff out and uh, it's uh, the Fred Armistead, like, you know, don't fill out census. Straight to jail. Straight to jail. Believe it or not, jail. Yeah, yeah, straight to jail. jail. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just a, a bizarre thing. So it, it's not a UK-only problem. We've got stuff like this here in the U.S. too. I, I think these these organizations, when they they produce stuff like this, they, they need to do some focus groups maybe. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, get an outsider to take a look and give them some feedback and say, from an outsider perspective, this looks really shady. Dude, that would make a great sketch, right? Where they bring in some of those government officials that would normally be doing this, and then they have like a consultant to help them make it right. And they're like, well, yeah, we'll, we'll just tell them that they'll go to jail. And they're like, I could see where you would get that idea. But they're plebes. I mean, they just, <laughs> these are the serfs of my kingdom. And it's like, here's the thing. You keep using this kind of language. People don't like that. But it's true. True as it may be. <laughs> if you say it out loud, they get upset. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why Arthur Grabowski is at large. He just didn't fill out the Polish census. Right. So uh, they don't care. They, they just found a reason that they can more easily that's, go after him. <laughs> that's why he's on the run. I looked up, I was curious if the plural of census, if sensei is legitimate. Oh. It sounds like that's a lot of people think that it is, but it's that's not used. Uh, it's, it is censuses. The Latin plural is sensus, which census. is interesting. Uh, and it also gave me the definition, an official count of members of a population, not necessarily human, which I thought was a little... I, I didn't like that. Yeah. <laughs> it was a little ominous. But anyway, obviously here we're talking about a human. It just, it just, I are, was like, mm, that's interesting. Fun are, fact. Are you a xenophobe? It, people from other planets. Yeah. <laughs> Sophie's anti-alien. Yeah, she really is. I didn't know that. You're coming here from Mars? Yeah, I, I have a healthy <laughs> fear of you. Listen, frankly, sir, she finds the idea of a bug that thinks offensive. <laughs> we have... Uh, prior to the podcast, yeah. so you guys would have missed this. We have been quoting Starship Troopers quite a bit today. <laughs> the only good bug is, is a, a dead, dead bug. bug. <laughs> I have to add it to the list. That's, yes. an, that's another yes, you do. right over the head. I'm sure we're going to have more. More. Would you we've, like to know more? We, we've still got. We've still got another article, so I'm sure we'll have we'll have more references that come up that I don't get. Uh, this next article is part of a segment called "Who Got Pwned." Looks like you're about to get pwned. Fatality. Yeah. Just like the people that didn't fill out the census. Mm -hmm. So this article comes to us from Hack Read. It said, or Hack Red, maybe. It says, mustached bouncer hackers caught spying on embassies. So it was a years-long campaign targeting diplomats in South Asia and Africa and Europe. I'm curious. I don't I don't think it mentioned it. Maybe I missed it. Did it say how, how it finally came to light, how they got caught, what happened? So uh, th there's a couple of things here. The ESET security researchers, they're the ones who have kind of discovered this and brought it to light. Uh, it was a, a difficult thing to detect, but... What we're seeing in today's world is that ambassadors and diplomats, these you know government representatives that are at various embassies around the world, they are the target of nation state attacks. And and I, I wish I could say that this is like other countries' problems, but we've had it here with the U.S. where the uh, right we were like intercepting cell phone calls for German ambassadors. Didn't, yeah, didn't we get the, caught so doing isn't that? Isn't this like the whole Five Eyes spying ring or whatever? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. Every country 
And, and, and hopefully this isn't shocking news to anyone out there. Yeah. Every country is spying on every other country. So that's yeah. just kind of a known thing. Well, I mean, you got to you got to give them kind of like kudos for going, well, we're not constitutionally allowed to spy on our people, but there's nothing stopping you. And we're friends, right? If you sent me an anonymous email with a bunch of cool stuff in it, <laughs> I, you know, who am I to you know, not take it? Yep. <laughs> now, some countries are very involved in this directly themselves. Others are a little more indirect, right? And that's usually what we see with the, the various Russian hacking groups where we talk about like Cozy Bear and Fancy Bear and whatever, where they... They are funded by a nation state, funded by the, the Russian government, but they aren't officially like like they're not a, a government entity. Right. They're not right. like part of the military or anything. They're just a right. independent hacking group. They're hacking as a service. <laughs> yeah. 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 So in this case, it's one of those examples where there's an independent hacking group that has been focused on targeting these embassies in South Asia, Africa, and Europe. And they've managed to gain multiple footholds several different ways from 2014 to present. So this is a nine-year hacking campaign uh, that has been going on. And there's just a ton of different tools they've been leveraging. Mm -hmm. the, so the, the commonality is not how they got in. The commonality is the target, right? They've been laser-focused on these embassies, which is not something a typical hacker is going to be interested in. You're going to have a hard time exploiting uh, somebody at an embassy for Bitcoin, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, so this is governments trying to gain information on other governments. Yeah, and not only uh, information, but leverage, right? Because depending on the information that they do find, they could use that to leverage people at the embassy, turn them into assets, right? And since we are talking about basically espionage here, yeah, then that is the kind of thing that's going on where I'm going to use the fact that I was able to get that information through your laptop to turn you into a, now I want you to funnel me information. And of course, the more that they, you know, information is power when it comes to nation states. So that's what it's all about. That's why it's not a big money thing. It's more of a, a power thing. Yep. Now, two of the, the main tools that they use, just so you're aware, uh, one of them were fake uh, captive portal pages, right? So if mm -hmm. you've ever been to a hotel and you connect to their wireless and you fire up a web browser, and instead of going to whatever website you just typed, you get the Hilton Honors webpage mm -hmm. or whatever, and you've got Type to punch in your in, room number and yeah, your last name and room number and get yeah. access. So they they used fake captive portal pages like that to intercept these ambassadors when they would go and connect to the internet. And once they had done that, they were basically a man in the middle, hmm. right? And they were able to intercept traffic, redirect DNS. Uh, they would display fake Windows Update URLs that people would click on that would launch an update system, and hey. Windows Update wants to make changes to your system. Do you want to allow that? Well, it's so sweet of them that they were yeah. doing updates for you. They just want to make sure you were safe. People <laughs> click yes, it'll install, and off they go. Yeah. So, uh, so that that's basically what they were doing to gain gain access and control over these machines. And then once they were in, they just held on, and they would intercept every email that came in and out of the machine. They could record the screen. They could do a lot of stuff. They had a whole chain of tools that they used to be able to get in and attack these systems. So it's pretty interesting. Uh, if for no other reason that it went on for so long, right? The before length somebody of time noticed. that it was this was happening, especially since some of these tools, like you say, they go back to 2014. They're known entities, and the fact that, like, how is this not getting picked up on? Honestly, is like what AV EDR system, what what defense mechanisms were dropping the ball, and the fact that these things were installed on their systems. How were they doing evasion so well that they never got caught until just recently? where ESET had to do some very 
in-depth analysis of traffic and systems to figure out that this was happening and then put the puzzle pieces together so they could create this chain of events and timeline. Like, that's what's really interesting, that that is advanced. That is a big yeah. deal. Have you ever heard of The Thing? And okay. I, I, I don't mean you the mean, movie The Thing. I thought you were talking about the car. Uh, I don't know that. There's a, The VW makes something called The Thing. Okay. Yeah. This was a, a Soviet spying listening device, a bug. Okay. Have you heard the story of this? Maybe. Tell me more. So there was a U.S. embassy, and now, now I've, uh, I can't remember what it is, so I'm trying to pull it up real fast in the yeah. background, but uh, there was an embassy. Was uh, it microphones that they installed in like a chimney or a wall or this something? This was different. So there was a, a, a it was called a, the Great Seal Bug. So there was a, a U.S. seal, right? The okay. eagle with the shield and the arrows and its claws and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. If you're in the U.S., you know it. Um, so they had this giant U.S. Uh, seal up yeah. on the wall. And one day they took it down for cleaning and they found a device fitted in the back of it. And it was an incredibly advanced listening device. And the device had been placed somewhere like back in the 1940s. So this is a World War II era listening device. But the bug was sophisticated because it did not have a power source. And so it was completely undetectable. Like for right. whatever uh, bug detection devices they had at the time, they, they couldn't detect it. There was no signal. And the way it worked was it took remote power that a Soviet listening van could pull up down the street and remotely push power to this device to turn it on and then intercept everything that was being said in the U.S. Embassy. That's crazy. And then when they drove off, power was cut and the device became invisible. And so it was in the, in the U.S. seal on the wall for a long time. I, I forget how long it sat there before it was detected, but it, it just shows like this is... This is a pretty normal thing. Yeah. It, it's not something to panic over. It, it's not something that should be acceptable. Like right. we countries shouldn't but be spying but on it each is other. The cool but... crap we make spy movies out of. Absolutely, <laughs> right? Absolutely. So uh, I want to see that yeah. movie. I mean, come on, man, that's really cool. Especially yeah. if it led to some sort of like big time, you know, leak of information from the U.S. to the Soviets. And it was during a time like if it was put in the '40s. At that point, we were technically like allies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And just lets you know, just because you're my friend doesn't mean I'm not watching. I'm on the Wikipedia page for it. If you search for the thing listening device, uh, you'll yeah. find it. And they show a picture of the seal, and and it's open. It's got the listening device in it, and you can see it. it nice. It's pretty neat. Like Countries invest a ton of money, and the U.S., I'm sure, invests probably more than anyone else yeah. in this stuff. Uh, and, and they, they call it the military-industrial complex for nothing, Doc. Yeah. <laughs> I think it caught from time to time, and that's what happened here. So ESET found it. Uh, they labeled this group Mustache Bouncer. Now, what I thought was interesting was they labeled it, and it might have been in a different article that I saw this, where they they labeled it as a um, man in the middle as a service. Mm -hmm. And huh. I had not heard that before, that you know this, this third-party hacking organization compromised the embassy and then basically resold that. Yeah, they rent they rent access to that that listening capability. Yeah. So yeah. if they if they compromise like the the German embassy, they can then reach out to other countries and say, "Hey, you want to listen in? Yeah. It's uh, twelve ninety nine a month." I mean, you probably just go to a dashboard and you're like, "Which country would I like to listen to?" You can get a great deal on Eastern <laughs> European at a low price. This where you have a sale. I get so <laughs> frustrated, and it, it's got in app purchases, which yeah, drives right. me crazy. Oh, Auto renews. Chatbot never. <laughs> 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 I love I love being able to read articles like this where it's not justice is served because not not really but it is nice to see that sometimes they catch the bad guys sometimes because like you were talking about how that device went undetected for 
however many years, decades, time, yeah. and for a long time. So it, it's it's good to know that there's people out there looking for the bad guys, and sometimes sometimes they succeed in finding them. Um, you know what they say: the enemy speaks kindly and installs a thing in your house to listen into you. Yeah. So. Good to know. <laughs> I've not heard that phrase. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I'm they unfamiliar. say. No, it's a it's a Gen Z thing. You wouldn't oh, understand. Okay. Right. Yeah. 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 You wouldn't yeah. understand. <laughs> okay, boomer. <laughs> you guys aren't even boomers. You're like I know. Yeah. What is it? Gen X? We're Gen X. We're Gen, Gen X. X. Yeah. yeah. So you're not quite there yet. <laughs> well, I think that is going to do it for that article. I do want to remind y'all that Technado is sponsored by ACI Learning, the people behind IT Pro. So again, you can use that code Technado30 to get a discount on your IT Pro membership. You can also check out ACI Learning's live on social and webinar events. I believe we've got one this week on August 17th. It's going to be Anthony and Wes talking about software-defined networking. So tune in for that. should be a lot of fun. And I'm hoping on an episode in the future here, maybe we can talk some more about, about everything that went down at Black Hat because it, it really was a, a cool experience and I had a lot of fun um, talking to people and everything. So I think that is going to do it for me. Any Anything I'm forgetting? You forgot to mention AI and ML. Dang it. <laughs> it's that. in my contract. Everything. It's That's in right. my contract. All right. Well, I'll go ahead and pack my things then. But that's going to be good working with you. Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> yeah, it. I'd shake your hand, you but one job. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys for, uh, I'm glad to have everybody back together for this episode. And thank you guys for watching this episode of Technado. We'll see you next time.